Hello and welcome to Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum, presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, the last episode, our first episode was Matt King. We had a very surprised special guest, Lance Burden. It was such a surprise. Matt didn't even know that he was about to come in. Uh, so thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you like this post uh, and all their comments and questions that you put in via Facebook and YouTube are things that we'll try to work into this broadcast. Uh, but I am so excited to bring on our guests for this episode, uh, guests plural, uh, two of the most incredible people I have ever had the pleasure of working with. Uh, you might have seen them uh, as part of The Illusionist on Broadway. They were also in The Illusionist Turn of the Century or Illusionist 1903. They were in Reno, Nevada with the Carnival of Wonders. They were also in The Illusionarium. Uh, they did Magic Underground. They were in World's Greatest Magic. They were in World's Most Dangerous Magic. They are international superstars. Uh, I love them. I know you guys will love them. So make some noise for Caitlin and Ginger, everybody. Hello. I I can't, Hi, I can't hear anything. I can't hear anything. Is there noise? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. People are already saying hello. John Chango says, hey, hey. And somebody hey. already said they saw you uh, Easter when it, went, when it wasn't canceled two years ago at the castle. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. Our home away from home, the Magic Castle. We're supposed to play the castle again, I guess, May 3rd, but... Bye. I think that's the week they're just supposed to open back up. Unlikely. We'll see. Unlikely. We'll see. Somebody said they clapped for you, so you did get applause even though oh. you couldn't hear it. I see. It's Morgan. Hi, Morgan. <laughs> uh, so, guys, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Tell us a little bit about where you are and how you've been spending your quarantine. Uh, well, first of all, we're in our basement right now because... It's not our exactly our basement. It's our downstairs. She's already correct. We're not me. underground. Already <laughs> correct. We haven't even started. <laughs> we uh what is it our yeah. downstairs it's our okay because the the uh, internet's better down here we did a test earlier as you yes. know and it was so we're now we moved down here well it was, it was great because uh you, you guys both direct as well as perform and so it was very nice because you sort of helped direct this during the tech rehearsal which was great <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably okay uh, also, I, a lot of people have been watching Tiger King on Netflix. I know everybody's quarantined. It is the show to watch. And, it's amazing, uh, isn't it? I might have photographic evidence that you guys have some experience with tigers. Oh, no, you don't. Do you there really? is a, a oh. picture of Ginger with a tiger. We also have a picture. That's when I first met Ginger. She was 13. I was not 13. <laughs> I was 23. No, 21. Oh. Uh, 21. Uh, Taj, Jaguar, Sonia, Siberian Tiger. Raised them from cubs. Aww. Oh, that's adorable. Uh, what, what was your experience working with these cats, these big cats? Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's something I started very early in my career. I mean, it was a, it was a calculation when I was very young, trying to make the... Uh, jump to uh las vegas which was the big goal <laughs> could you go take that toy away from me yes i think i'm gonna have to Sorry, i think we still have an animal in the act <laughs> yeah he's our uh, oh, he's our dachshund coming down the stairs right now <laughs> but a lot of our magic friends know chili in fact they come and visit us just for chili not for us but i have to take his squeaking hamburger away and turn your phone on <laughs> um Anyway, yeah, I uh, I used to do a manipulation act, 
And uh, when I was probably about 19, Bill Smith took me to Las Vegas. We saw all these um, magicians. Oh my gosh, Di Vernon, that's another story. In any case, I saw uh, Vince Carmen and Carlton and Siegfried and Roy. And, uh, and Bill told me what Carlton and, and Vince Carmen were making. I mean, there was no aspirations of being like Siegfried and Roy. But when I saw what they were doing, I go, wow, I could do that. And, uh, uh, and when I heard what they were making, I thought, well, this is the time to make the jump. <laughs> so, yeah, I started on this road, uh, started with one uh, cat uh, brought home to my home in Covina, California. I had all the permits, um, and it it lasted for about twenty years. And at the at the most, at one point, I had about six cats in my backyard in Vegas: Siberian tiger, jaguar. Um, but you know, I have to say, I have. Did the neighbors know about it, or were they just surprised for yeah. a while? <laughs> no, they you know. He had to go door to door to get petitions. Yeah, you. I had to get. Um, uh, Sony. Uh, petitions for zoning so uh people uh wouldn't um you know go to a town meeting or whatever and say he can't have cats so i went door to door with a sign up with um a baby cat which uh, was <laughs> you are no better than joe exotic no, well, no, I don't <laughs> no but you know what i do have to pepper it by saying that you know mm -hmm. i i have mixed feelings about it now um it was an amazing i mean certainly it gave me uh, pretty much most of my Vegas years in the eighties, that was because there was a, there was a joke going around, you know, um, get a tiger, go to Vegas. That's the law. <laughs> and back then that was pretty much the case. So it was fantastic. It was a fantastic experience, but um, you know, ultimately it's not something when we sort of closed the door on that, which was 2003. 2003. Yeah. Just, just, prior no, well no misha had just passed just prior to roy's incident the sig the incident um with roy horn right. and so we had retired our signature piece because that had become a huge signature piece for us the transfiguration for a number of years i don't know like 10 10 plus years 10 12 years and um she had just passed and so we retired her and we were just well, she retired herself well she retired we retired the <laughs> she trip. had it in her paper <laughs> i finally found a plane and here she we, is we decided to close the chapter and that that one and not reinvent that but but when the thing happened with roy that was you know it was a wake-up call for everybody there was a lot of people doing cats and uh you know, if it can happen to them it could happen to anybody and i sort of felt like you know uh, a race car driver you know i had all these years without a crash but you know maybe it was time to uh uh you know be lucky closed the door on that. And we thought it was going to be a huge problem in our career, but it was really barely a blip. I mean, it was really easy to move on. It was like a month or two of, you know, previously booked engagements that we said, hey, we're not going to bring the cats. Yeah. And, and that was it. Uh, and you were in the box with some of those, not to, not to reveal any methods, but you're, you're pretty, you were pretty close to these things for some of these tricks. Was that ever extra difficult? No, actually, the uh, the only, the, to be honest, the only time it got difficult was towards the end when uh, Misha was having kidney problems and she would pee on me all the time. Oh, no. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> you go to do, to do the rest of the show and nobody wants to volunteer just, on stage. Let's just say that. No, I would go and change and clean up afterwards, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. But anyway, you know, towards, towards those years, I would get a lot of uh, magicians that would say, oh, you know, uh, I want to do that. Do you have any advice for me? And I, and, you know, my advice was always, you don't want to do that. It's not a great life for the cats. Um, fortunately, there are better people out there than some of the people like Joe Exotic. But, um, you know, like I said, I'm thankful for it. It was fantastic. Um, it was time to sort of tie that up. And it wouldn't be my recommendation. And, you know, pretty much people's sensibility has have changed dramatically. And you see much less of that. Yeah, I wasn't surprised to find out that Masters of Illusion had Joe Exotic for the first two years as their big cat wrangler. I well, think that's what was so yeah. funny was because when we joined Masters of Illusion on the first part of their touring life um, or their re, you know, re you know, revitalizing the, the brand, um, I guess that was 2011. And uh, they, I guess, were contractually obligated with some of their venues to provide uh, big cats. So um, I volunteered, and I don't really know if it was a necessarily a voluntarily a voluntary thing, but um, to do uh, one of the tiger cage uh, the tiger cage tricks, um, the lion's bride production. Anyway. Uh, long story short, uh, obviously we had retired our cats, so they brought on Joe Exotic and his entourage and the trailer, you know, in tow for the whole tour. Yeah, and there was there the was Joe, there was uh, there was his husband, the sort of carny guy, <laughs> the, the video guy, and the uh, the girl, but she had two arms then. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's... not to, not to make a spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> I, I like to think since we both toured with the illusionist that we were a slightly classier. So we'd have a Doc Antle type figure with if we had to have big cats. <laughs> yes, yes, much better. And Chris Kennard wrote uh, Joe Dirt Exotic. That was his contribution, which uh, is very funny. Uh, uh, I, I think uh, somebody mentioned when we showed the photos earlier, because um, Di Vernon is right there. Uh, you're, you look like you're, uh, you're creep. You're trying to photobomb him uh, upon a Christmas. <laughs> you know what? That is. I was 15 there. That was not on the one on the not on the solo one. No, the, the one with Di Vernon. Yeah. Uh, that well, the was one the on the right. I assume is your bar mitzvah picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was 12 there. The one with Di Vernon, but that you know that was the It's Magic, uh, 1975. A lot of people don't know how freaking old I really am, how long I've been doing this. But at that time, if you were growing up in Southern California, there was no bigger show than the It's Magic. And that's where we went every year at the Wilshire Evil Theater with a full orchestra. It's amazing. No, that was the Mystics. Oh, okay. It's Magic was the, uh, the it's still oh, the yeah, It's Magic. Oh, yeah, still the It's Magic. Yeah. And uh, about a month before the It's Magic, I get a call from Milt Larson. And he says, Mark, we would like you to do the It's Magic. Because I had this new act, uh, the magical pool shark with pool cues and linking racks. And uh, he says, we want to uh, put you together with Di Vernon as the oldest magician and the youngest magician. And so Di Vernon would come out and he would do his linking rings. And then he would introduce me. 
and I would come out and do the pool act. And at the end, we would walk on from two sides of the stage and shake hands and take a bow together. That's amazing. Pretty, pretty cool. I had, back then, I had almost no idea who he was. <laughs> he ever gave, what was the best advice he ever gave you? Uh, I don't, you know what? I don't recall him ever giving me advice. I'm sure he did. <laughs> but I do remember that, you know, the show was like at eight o'clock and he would show up at like three in the afternoon, already dressed in his tuxedo, sit in a chair off to the side of the stage and he wouldn't move until it was time to go on. But it was like holding court. All these people would come, talk to him, show him tricks and he just held court. And then he would stand up, go on stage, introduce me. And then we had our moment together. Oh, that's amazing. And by the way, everybody can see that you guys are an incredible couple. So I did want to get a little bit into how you guys meet. How did you meet? How did the personal relationship start? How did the professional relationship start? All the details. All the details. <laughs> but, oh, this is, oh. Uh, yes, we both have this. This is Chris Cox gave us these. Yes. He's a mentalist. He's our friend. Yes, but they're, <laughs> they're, they're personalized. They're customized. They have two of our... Uh, known uh, taglines. Mine says, there she is, because that's what Mark set calls out to me from the fire spiker. And it's something that Chris Tagline if you're at our house, otherwise yeah. you have no clue. And uh, that, says, that was perfect timing. For those who are, are listening to this as a podcast, I'd love to say I heart Cox. Oh, yes. Chris Cox. <laughs> Chris Cox. Uh, Ginger, do you want to take the story of how we met? Oh gosh, it's so boring. People have heard this so many times. Okay. <laughs> long, long time ago. <laughs> in a galaxy far when away. a man loves a woman. And that woman and man own big cats. <laughs> um, no. Uh, island of Guam. The island of Guam. That's where we met, actually. It was the year was 19. Well, we met in 1990, at the end of 1990, uh, we there was a new uh, performance venue opening up called the Sand Castle. It was um, a U.S. owned uh, Oh my God, this is going to take so long. I <laughs> oh well, I had, a, I had a hot tip that uh, you had a certain cartoon that you had a crush on and that Ginger might have reminded you of that oh, cartoon. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, Not so a cartoon. No. Let's just, yeah, cut to the chase. <laughs> cut to the chase. No, I mean anybody that is of my age, sixty, <laughs> grew up in the in the sixties. Uh, there was nothing bigger than the Thunderbirds. They were puppets. They were marionettes, and they were amazing. And rockets. Long before there was Star Wars, there was the Thunderbirds. Got to check these out online. These marionettes with these really amazing rocket. Thanks. Oh, I have I have a photo for those who are watching along on video. Oh, <laughs> well, you just killed my story. <laughs> In any case, it was the Thunderbirds that caused me to go to the library to learn how to make puppets because I was into puppets and marionettes. And uh, uh, one day you, I was you were determined to figure out how to be a virgin longer. <laughs> yeah, tell you about it. I was only I was only. Uh, uh, 11, 10, or so, something like that, nine or 10. But anyway, one day I was checking out the puppet books and uh, there was a book on magic. As you know, they're right next door. And that was the end of the puppets. That got me onto magic. So the Thunderbirds got me onto magic. 
And, but I still had this incredible, just fascination with Thunderbirds. Do you remember them from my childhood? And I remember thinking when I first saw Ginger, she is a freaking walking Thunderbird. Put that picture up one more time. <laughs> that. But you know what's so funny is I did not model that costume after the Thunderbirds. <laughs> it was just a coincidence. It was a very, it was a leftover fashion from the late 80s, early 90s. And I wanted something to keep my hair out of my face. So I started wearing um, the headbands with my early 90s costumes. And it wasn't until later that Mark showed me that Thunderbird picture. But oh, you should have sure. any suggestions from Mark. Like, wow, that look, yeah, you should definitely keep wearing that. Yeah. It, home. it was love at first sight, no <laughs> doubt. I was like, oh my God, it's gotta be. It's very funny. And how did you navigate the, the personal and the professional? Was it personal first? Was it professional first? Uh, we almost killed each other the first year. <laughs> well, That's we true. fell in love first. Then once we started to live together and were committed, that's when we almost wait, killed wait each a minute, other. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You got that wrong. We lived <laughs> together before. She, okay. But when did we almost kill each other? After we got married. Last week. <laughs> um, you may see, hey, who knows what's going to happen here. <laughs> so I went to Guam. Good reality television. I went to Guam as a magician, which is like, even though they didn't have gambling, they had these big production shows. It was basically the Follies Brugere. And there was 10 years difference in our age. Yes, yeah, so you can see I chose oh my God. Ginger for her cooking skills. Just <laughs> like the 80s firm. The haircuts are remarkable. Thank there, you. I got Thank my you. Joe Exotic hair going. Um, <laughs> anyway, we were in the show together for six months and really never spoke a word. We were in two different, you know, I was one of the variety acts. She was the dancer and lead dancer and singer. And I thought she was beautiful and everything, but you know, we just never spoke to each other. And on her last night in the show, they let, they let you watch the show from the front. And so she watched the show from the front. She'd never seen the magic from the front. And afterwards she came back and she says, wow, uh, that was fantastic. If you ever need anybody to fill in for a week or so, uh, I'd love to do it. Plus, I knew she had a boyfriend on the island, so that would get her a free trip back. <laughs> I, I was thinking, this is great. I've got to get her in the act so that we can get video because she was dynamite and she was a great performer. And so uh, the girl I was working with wanted a little time off to get married, go back to the state. She'd met somebody in the military. And so Ginger came over. And I have to say the, uh, the chemistry was on stage first. There was no doubt about it. Uh, on stage, it, it, uh, it just clicked. And that few week run, she never left. That's amazing. Yeah. And you can yeah. see it even in the pictures, like that when you guys are on stage, it is electric. So you're saying that it was but basically, that, that connection was instant. There was no need to... There was a lot of chemistry between us. I mean, I, I, I think that it just took two equally strong performers to look, you know... I mean, we started connecting on stage, which I think was different for Mark. I think prior to that, he'd been very used to um, just kind of performing out as a soloist and maybe keeping, you know... a, a 
female counterpart slightly in the background and I demanded more. That, yeah, that's true. I just I just was like, no, you're gonna look at me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean no no offense. I met him, you know. So I wanted to create those those real moments and and they were real, you know. And then off stage kind of just followed suit because then we'd have these conversations, you know, after the shows and after work and we'd talk and I'd really get to know and his humor, you know, just kind of like took over and made me fall in love. And he was, you know, far more intellectual than any of the guys that I had ever dated prior. Oh, that's definitely true. <laughs> yeah. And there's a little bit of a difference too, right? What? There's a little bit of an age difference. Ten years. Yeah, there's ten years between us. Um, and um, <clears throat> by the so way, not I to cut you off, but I do want to insert this comment because I think it is apropos. Michael Douglas said, "I got into magic because of the world's greatest magic specials," and I thought, "If that dude can get her, I've got to be a magician." <laughs> I heard that a lot. As a matter of fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact, yes, she was quite a force. Still is. And I remember uh, we were in Guam for a year and we went from one little 15 minute act in the show to expanding and then doing two acts. And by the, by the time we left, we had this, we were doing a huge portion of the show, all these illusions. And we went to our first gig together in the States was a show called Castle Magic with Michael Finney and uh, Nicholas, Nicholas Knight and Kinga uh, in Atlantic City. And I remember we had opened that show and I was walking through the casino and uh, this little kid like tugs on his mother and he goes, look, mom, there's Ginger's magician. Yes. <laughs> I knew from that point on, that's pretty much gonna be it. I mean, one of the things, I've, I, there are a million things that I love about you guys, but one of the things is that you guys are total equals. Like sawing in half is can be hard because it's often the male magician just murdering a lady for no reason and then unmurdering her. And when you guys do it, you're talking, which is great. And you, there's clearly your two forces in, Ginger, can you speak a little bit about sort of how you approach being a woman in magic and, and how your relationship sort of uh, came out of that? Or how, um, how you use that, that equality? Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, a, that was a definite choice, um, but I, wouldn't, I won't say it was an easy choice to make. I think that's definitely, um, you know, a lesson that I learned kind of unintentionally uh, because, Prior to putting that particular effect into our repertoire, we had put several others into our, you know, joint thing and everything was going in a direction of us being equal, you know, equal time on stage, you know, equal importance, e equal gravity and, you know, the things that we had to take care of. And so when that trick came up um, as a possibility, it was kind of contentious I would say a little bit between the two of us a little bit I well, she didn't I was resistant she was, did not want to be the girl in the box I didn't want to be faceless inside the box you know it was it was too cliche to me and so we had to think of a way to make it not so but that was that was uh from Joni she really well the talking part wasn't from Joni but her 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 pressing to expose my vulnerability was definitely a uh, a Joni thing. You know, she's just like, you know, you're Ginger. You've always been so powerful and strong, and you've only showed one side. You know, every time you step on stage, you know, you're seen as this this flashy, fast, you know, force and 
what makes you interesting is this other side of you that's just a little bit more vulnerable. No, at first it started as, you know, just authentically meek. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't a good talker on stage. Although as soon as I involved myself into the volunteers, the, the, that I let that drive it. And so that became my strength. And so all of a sudden now I had, I turned my vulnerability into something more authentic. And so it really was just an evolution of how things evolved. Um, and yeah, you know, speaking and just holding that kind of, you know, power was just one of those things that we didn't really set out to do it that way, but that's the way that but, it. But we were searching. I mean, prior to that, we'd had really good success. Like uh, we'd staged the double sign. I mean, what a, in searching for balance, what more perfect trick? We're equal, we get to do, but ultimately we learned that that wasn't that interesting. Two people doing the same thing. And it was through this process with the wakeling sign where we found our places, they were very different. And although Ginger came across as very vulnerable, especially with all these men on stage, anybody that's seen the trick you know who's in control ginger yeah. runs the show but not out of uh, you know overt you know power or strength or anything but out of uh, a much more simple vulnerable flirtatious smart uh personality and that was a a process and a difficult process uh, that that took place over you know, many years. Yeah. And, you know, I think I had to ride that line and find out also how to make our relationship come across and yet also how to make the volunteers look good and not make either the men or their significant others hate me. <laughs> you know, I had, to, I had to come up with a way that it, it was a win, win, win for everybody. Yeah, Morgan referenced uh, the quote, it's not a leash, which is one of the great lines during that. But you keep calling it a leash, and then Ginger keeps saying, it's a strap. It's a strap. Well, yeah, that was one of the very first jokes I ever threw in. Um, and everything that most but, of the jokes, but yeah. It was not her attempt to make a joke. It was her authentic attempt, attempt to correct me. Correct. It's not a leash. <laughs> It's strap. And then you just pay attention to what works. I mean, my, my comedy is not a mastermind, you know, writing, you know, achievement. It's, it's all through, you know, just taking a little bit of risk each time. I mean, it's one of my favorite moments, the way you, especially when you interact with the volunteer, you're always very funny. And yeah. even when we were doing it in Kazakhstan, where we were, you, you learned to talk to them, which was, Amazing. I know. I know. You know what? That is like one of those personal challenges I take whenever we go to a foreign country. I have to learn how to communicate, even if it's just a few things, you know, in the language of wherever we are, because it's just too important. It's it's the basis of that whole, you know, that whole effect. Here's what I remember. Two things I remember about you in Kazakhstan. Many things. <laughs> we really, really got to know you in Kazakhstan. Number one. You had Broadway no... of the of of Russia. <laughs> it was a challenge, and you had a very very tough job, I must say. And uh, but here's what I remember about you in Kazakhstan: number one, uh, you had no problem eating 
the horse meat, which was very common there. You had oh, horse yeah. meat pizza. You, I mean, I was shocked nobody else wanted it. I was very back, brave. I would come back from that mall that we were staying next to and be like, anybody else want some horse meat pizza? I got extra and never any takers. <laughs> was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah our animals. For a group that loved horses, that had statues of horses everywhere, it was weird that they loved the horse so much and then also ate that horse. How many different kinds of milk did we have at breakfast? Wait, 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 wait. Yes. Um, Bob, who is our sort of illusion technician, was with us and he likes chocolate milk in the morning. And he, we come into breakfast, which was beautiful, and he goes, oh, chocolate milk. And he takes a big glass and he, he, he gulps it down. He, he says, oh, that is not chocolate milk. It was fermented mare's milk. Yep. Fermented means gone sour. That's why it turned brown. And also it's confusing if it's from the mare. I don't think that's where the milk comes from. <laughs> it was white. I don't know what it was, but it was from the mare. It ain't milk. <laughs> the other thing I remember about you, which I'd never experienced before, was tender. It was tender, just constant, night and freaking day. And we're in Kazakhstan. Wait, Sebastian was just as guilty. Oh, yes. That's true. And I think he was more successful. I don't think I ever met up with anybody. I just, I was so curious to see if there was good tindering in Kazakhstan. <laughs> I also had J-Swipe at the time, which is Jewish Tinder. And I don't know if you remember, but I opened up the app and it just said, there's no one in your area. And I set the mile radius to as like as big as it possibly could go. And they were like, there are no Jews here. We also, the when you were talking with Mac last week, we were listening in and uh, you talked about Abbott's too. That was the first time that we ever worked with you. And yes, um, we got, so we got to fun. live with you. That was that was a treat. <laughs> you invited in yourself to quarters. We were in a you dead doctor's house. Yes. That's how they introduced it to us. They said, oh yeah, no, this is a great house. The guy that lived here is dead, so it's all yours. I do remember you, you said it last week. Uh, I was driving to the house, which was down this long country road, and I just see this guy pulling a little suitcase, walking by himself. You might as well have you know hayseed in your mouth. And I thought, boy, that is Abbott's a hundred percent. This poor guy pulling his act. And I passed by and I go, I think that's Harrison Greenbaum. And I didn't know you were coming to our house. Yeah, he's yeah. like, oh yeah, I'm just coming back. One of my favorite moments, by the way, of, of Abbott's was I had just done my first set. I think that might've been one of the first times you saw me do like a full comedy set. And uh, I come back and you're sitting in an armchair and Ginger is curled up next to you. And Jonathan Goodwin is on like the couch. And it literally felt like I was walking home. Like there was mom, dad, and big brother. And it was delightful. <laughs> it was, it was pretty funny. You and know, I was it, with Goodwin and he reminded me that I taught you a word, Ginger. <laughs> I don't think we get it. He still has that on video. But I still feel bad for taking your innocence a little bit and teaching you that term. <laughs> You're good, yeah. The other, by the way, the other prank that I'm very proud of um, was I was at uh, Jeff Hobson's room, uh, Marvin's Magic Theater uh, in oh. Palm Springs, which I believe you had performed there uh, previously. Yeah. And um, Can I go to, to turn on the television in the, the shared sort of magician apartment and your Netflix account had been open. And it said Mark and Ginger had all the accounts. So I immediately texted Ginger and I said, uh, don't get too scared, but I'm gonna watch really terrible things on Mark's account. Can, can, can I now tell it from my side what I experienced? Sure, absolutely. Because I'm sitting down to watch Netflix one night and uh, click on. And uh, first thing I noticed is uh, 
my Netflix head was changed. I had just the the logo, the the sign in. Right. You and, I made you Dolly Parton. You made me Dolly Parton. I thought <laughs> I don't I don't recall doing that. But then what even equally freaked me out was we had a new user. It was a wolf's head and it said Jonathan Pendragon. It was a dragon. I put a dragon's head for Jonathan Pendragon. Oh yeah. And the reason why I didn't tell him was because I was on tour that time at that mo time. So that was like in February or late January. When was this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had just left on tour and left him by himself. She so didn't of course tell he, me. I didn't I didn't have a chance to tell him yet after you messaged me. <laughs> So he discovered it on his own. No, I, I didn't. I, I think my Netflix has been hacked. Yes. And I, I said, yes, it's Harrison. I yes. also like that these Netflix hackers knew specifically to mention Jonathan Pendragon. Pendragon. I was, you can imagine, I was so baffled. It was, I was so freaking out about it. Good, great joke. Great. But I knew Jonathan. I go, is this a joke? I go, I need to contact Jonathan. Anyway, by the way, Jessica Jane Peterson, who did uh, Marvin's Magic Theater as well, saw wrote, I saw that too. I thought to myself, quote, I'm finally making it. The Kalins were logged into Netflix here too. <laughs> <laughs> so you were logged on. There were, you helped a lot of magicians get through that week. That's so embarrassing. Aww, that's sweet. By the way, speaking of Jeff Hobson, uh, there was a there was a Facebook uh, post on the, the Academy of Magical Arts, the Magic Castle. They mm -hmm. said, what is the best show you've ever seen in magic? That was the whole question. And the number one response was Carnival of Wonders. It was a great show. Uh, and by the way, we have a question about Carnival of Wonders um, from, a, uh, from a viewer. Let's see if I can add him in. There we Hello. go. Hello. <laughs> oh, it's no. surprise guest Jeff Hobson. Jeff. Hey, everybody. Where are you? Where are you sequestered? Palm Springs. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, yes, I'm actually in La Quinta, California, and I'm getting my, uh, uh, my internet from the hibiscus tree, so I'm, you know, that's how I get my internet, and uh, yeah, we're having fun here. Hey, you know what's happening? You want to see some real magic? Take a look at this. You got to put, put it back to me for a second here. Take a look at this. You got, I'm getting your, the, the thing upside down. Uh, in other words, Mark and Ginger is actually upside down and playing. You can see that... Yeah, that's how I'm getting you. You guys are upside. I don't know why they're upside down. Isn't that weird? I'll Is that how people, everybody? The people in the comments, if you guys can respond, if you are also getting it upside down, please let me know. Just Kalen and Juju. You're fine. I'm fine. Kalen and Juju. Who've been performing a gravity illusion this entire time? It's amazing. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jeff. You yeah, know, Jeff. I was, I was, I was gonna post. I'll post it now. I I pulled some video footage and I was gonna put it on. Uh, Facebook, but I, I didn't, I hesitated because I know they're going to pull the soundtrack off like five minutes after it goes up. But I had a, a video of the uh, House of Horrors. And, oh, uh, that's great. Ginger, I know. And I'm, uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I that is great. It, but I'm sure yeah, you can post it. They'll, you know, they might not pull it down immediately. It takes them like, you know, a half hour to do it. So try it. Yeah, I will. Or maybe we could take the music out of it. No. No, that's not as no. fun. But it was a great show. And to, to, to put it all back together here for just a second, um, you know, Ginger, when you said that uh, Misha started peeing on you, do you remember the time Sonia, the big one, I was in the line, the lady in the bottom, and the and, and Sonia let go with this massive buckets of piss, and I had nowhere to go, and it all funneled right down on top of me. I came out of the bloody thing, costume soaked with, by the way, 
Harrison, do you realize that tiger piss is equal to the viscosity of 10 WD or 10 to 40, 10, 40, 10, whatever is that? Motor oil, motor oil. WD 40. That's well, no, it's more than that. It's the, it's the motor oil. It's awful. Just awful. What do you think uh, the tiger King used the whole time? What is that? What do you think the tiger King was using? I don't know. Any longer. I don't you know. During the course of that show, Jeff and I had these ongoing practical jokes, <laughs> of which I thought I had nailed the best one, but then he actually nailed me better. <laughs> Jeff, the, the uh, briefly tell the one. Okay, I, I'll, I'll try and make it as quick as possible. It's long. Okay, we're at Caesar's Magical Empire. Everyone's gone for the day. There's long hallways in the back from dressing room to dressing room. Just it went forever. And so at the end of the day, I'm changing my clothes because I have to get out of my and put on my other pants. He's sitting in my dressing room. Why? I don't know. Everyone's gone. He never sits in my dressing room. So he's just watching me. I'm like, okay, whatever the hell, I gotta go. So I'm putting on my pants. I'm walking down the hallway. Suddenly, as I'm walking. I'm walking a ways down there, ways, and all of a sudden I feel this bulge in my crotch. So I'm like, so now I'm like walking, walking, and I, I put my hand down between my legs and I feel what I think are my testicles. Now, two things come to mind. Two things come to mind. Number one, why are my testicles on the outside of my pants? And number two, why can't I feel them? <laughs> So so now I'm walking, and I said out loud, I don't know if I can say the expletive, I said, what the fuck? And, I, and I, I bend all the way over, look down between my legs, and I see two chicken gizzards sewn in the exact formation of testicles. Treats for the cats. Yeah, treats for the cats, chicken gizzards hanging down. And then as I look past those gizzards, I'm looking down the hallway, I see Kalen on the floor laughing his ass off. <laughs> It was a good one. Yeah, it was great. It was good. It was my biggest one. regret in Kazakhstan, we, we didn't prank each other too much, but I was desperate by the end of the show because we were in Kazakhstan and every, the only reason people know about it is Borat. And I wanted you so bad to introduce Ginger as my wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted the entire run. That's all I wanted. <laughs> oh, that's very funny. Yeah, that, that actually that busted me up. One time we were playing at the castle, I think just after that movie had come out, and um, we're doing this introduction in the beginning, and I walk over to one of the side stages, and it, everything's really quiet. I'm just about to say the first word, and a guy from the audience goes, very nice. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks. Very funny. And can you guys talk a little bit about the uh, uh, Carnival of Wonders and, and if you guys are going to be collaborating again together? I hear a hint that you guys might be. Well, oh, we oh. hope. Uh, yeah, Depends on uh, COVID. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, actually, you know, we, we were talking because you know the Kalins came in as you did, Harrison, to Marvin's Magic Theater, uh, and uh, did a great job. I mean, we were at the apex of our our success this season. We were going really good, and of course, the rug got sweeped off there some weeks ago. But uh, really, you and Kalins uh, both were, you know, the top, uh, you know, people attractions that that come there. And so I was talking to uh, Kalins about coming back. And we're talking, they said, hey, you know, maybe we should do something together. They, they said, wait, would you want to be part of it? Maybe a Halloween show. They used to do a Halloween show. I said, you know, actually, it's a really good thing. So we might do sort of a mishmash 
version of a carnival type show in October at Marvin's Magic Theater. That's on the plans. It's not booked yet. We're talking about it, and I think it's going to happen if this yeah, whole bloody disease. Basically, it would be it would be uh, a revival of our House of Horrors of Carnival of Wonders yeah. for Halloween. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing! Did you guys do any? Uh, what, what what what? How did the the Halloween show differ from the regular show? Was it a full on? Oh, the, the Halloween show differed in that we had a theater for a number of years here in Reno called Magic Underground, a little just very much like uh, Hobson's Theater. And uh, but the Halloween show started at uh, Piper's Opera House well, in Virginia City. Yes, I wasn't gonna. Yeah. I was gonna okay, do the go long, right. long version. All right, women talk too much. It's fine. No. no. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we needed seasonal shows to get our guests back. So we produced a, uh, we did it, I think, five or more years in a row called Ghosts. And it was just this kind of weird little quirky Halloween show. And we, we seven years, eight years, nine? Nine? Nine, nine versions we, of Ghosts? We didn't do nine versions of Ghosts. We started in 2003. Yeah, but we didn't do them every year. No, we did up until we closed and then we did it again. <laughs> yeah, we did Anyway, the chemistry that we're talking about. Yes, that dead silence. <laughs> By the way, uh, we have a poster, um, uh, a, a very old one. Uh, let me see if I can get this up on the screen. There we go. Not a poster, that's the cover of Fun and Gaming Magazine. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Reno Tahoe. Yeah, that was Reno. <clears throat> yeah, Tahoe, right. And that was actually sent to me uh, by another guest, another uh -huh. surprise guest. Really? Bring him in. Uh, I think oh people at IBM might recognize oh him. It's David Williams, oh everybody. Oh my goodness! Oh, oh my gosh! Oh, oh my goodness! I was oh. just uh, polishing my World Magic Award. <laughs> I had a little virus on it. I make people kiss it and lick it when they come in. Sorry about that. Wait, wait, you guys probably have one of these. I'm guessing. I've got four of them. I've already sold them on eBay. Okay. Go into the dungeon. There she goes. I don't have any of them, but I did just pay Tony Hassini, so I'm expecting a box oh, to come in. Yeah. I refuse to they pay Tony Hassini. I will not take part in that. <laughs> did anybody here get a get a Tony Hassini award? No. Good. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You accepted it? Oh my god. Well, Hell this, yeah, I sure I did. The, 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 when they did this broadcast, they only had one of these made. What? Here's my award, and they go, "Well, you don't really get one. You don't really get one." That's and, right. Caveney uh, goes, "Get back in there and steal it." So I went back in backstage and took it. You know what? You know what I did? I sat in the producers' room for four hours. I said, "I'm not leaving till I get one of those." Yeah. And and they and they sat there and they just looked at me, looked at me, looked at me. After a while, I said, "Well, I'm going to stay here for another four hours." And I went, "All right, yeah." So they yeah, gave me one. This one. That's, this a, that's the only way to get one. This one's uh, the year two thousand World Magic Awards for Carnival of Wonders Best Magic Review. There's that one, and then this one is in oh two thousand and eight World Magic Awards Magicians of the Year. Kaylin and Ginger. That's that one. Okay. There you go. And which one's yours? Was it? I have a uh, here is the bottom of yours because uh, Ginger, yours have very nice bases. Yeah. Uh, it fell off the base. <laughs> what happened to you? It broke. It fell off and rolled across the floor. <laughs> I got out of the face. I don't hey, I have a question for you, Harrison. Sure. What was a bigger culture shock, Kazakhstan or Colon? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, equally, equally equal, I would say, to each other. Great horse in both places, right? 
Yeah, I mean, Kazakhstan, the joke I had was they're 70% Muslim and we were with the illusionists. So I said it was very easy to perform that because, you know, we'd have assistants, people would disappear, reappear in the audience, and they're all in burqas. So it's a very easy trick. Yeah, exactly. Contortionist. There, she's there, just trust us. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been going to Cohen since I was 12, my first magic convention. So, yeah. Wait, didn't, didn't you compete with against Lance or something? Lance, like that? yeah, Lance and Mac and I, and yeah. we all uh, came in first, second, and third, uh, nineteen seventy-seven. Uh, first, Lance. Okay. Lance was first. I was second. Mac was third. And for three years, I tried beating Lance, and I never did. So I said, I'm not doing doves or manipulation ever again. And I just went into comedy magic because I said, if I can't be the best, I'm not going to do it. Oh, there you go. I'll be back. Ginger, that's uh, what does that say? It's upside wait, down. Her family. PG thirteen. It's upside down. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, as as Mike Hagee says, sooner or later, everything passes through colon. Yeah. There you, you know who gave who gave us these? Mike Mode, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Mike Mo. Actually, that was when I knew it was a magic town. Was Mike, uh, Mike gave me and Tina and Rob Zabrecki were also there that that yeah. weekend. Yeah. And we did a great. We did the cemetery tour with them. Oh, yeah. it was, and I missed it because my show was the day of the cemetery tour. So I went to the VFW, and uh, the guy who gives the tour, this guy Al, who's awesome. Al, 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 the only. Al, the only. Yeah. So he, I, he said, "Oh, did, were you on the tour?" And I said, "No, I missed it. I was getting ready for my show." And he got a, he had a bottle of whiskey and he poured it in a glass and he said, come with me. I'll give you a tour. It was one o'clock in the morning. We did it by flashlight. And he said, when this glass is done, the tour is done. That's right. And it was incredible. We did the best magic trick there. Uh, you know, at the VFW, they used to do a close-up show every night or, you know, the weekend one night, big close-up show. And your back was, the performer's back was to the big plate glass window, which was out on Main Street there behind you. And uh, I got up and I go, I need to borrow a hundred dollar bill. And somebody gave me a hundred dollar bill. And just then this car comes to a screeching stop out on the street. And I go out and get in at Matt King's driving and we tear out and drive away with the guy's hundred. And uh, that was it. That's amazing. <laughs> Funny yeah. stories. So oh. Ginger, I learned something new today. What? I oh. learned that there's a 10 year difference between you and Mark. I never knew that. Well, you look great for 70. Did you think I was as old as he is? I didn't, I, I never, would never ask, but. Yeah, I always say that he, I keep him young. But I'm young. more mature. He makes me old and I keep him young. Well, as I told Ginger, I've seen Ginger literally this year more than I've seen my wife because she was the resident director at the Illusionist Arena for oh, six yeah. months. And then she was the resident director uh, for the Illusionist tour that I was on for the last four months. And what else? Something else in there? I forget. But anyway, yeah. And, and you I, lived at our house for a little while. And you, you stayed at our home. Slept, remember slept in our bed, you know. But we weren't there. And uh, well, I miss <laughs> Reno because I really miss. Do you have that picture I sent you, Harrison? Uh, yes, I do actually. Uh, oh, wait, uh, there's a member of your family that I really bonded with. Oh yes. And uh, oh. I miss. Uh, I miss Chili so much. I'm That's sorry I passed away Chili. while Dave was taking care of him. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he was alive in this picture, Woo! Dave. He was very sick. <laughs> I couldn't get the spring to go all the way in, so I like gave up on that. That's oh. amazing. 
So, Jeff, I can't. I'm so excited. I'm opening next week at Marvin's Magic Theater. Yes, you are. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Can I get? Can I tell you? This is. You see this guy here? This this way. To, what I can't figure out which way it is. Anyways, the guy right here, David Williamson. He's the only guy. He's the only guy who is never freaking available. I've called him, called him, called him, tried to get him in, tried to get no, 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 be too busy, you too, doing an illusionist. What are you doing now, David? Huh? How much did he bring? He's cleaning. What are you He's doing now? Closet. You're getting COVID on my. <laughs> it's actually a, it's actually a COVID medical grade uh, clown nose, which oh is nice. God. So. <laughs> That's, that's kind of, How does everybody have a right a mask or some green gloves? Oh my god! <laughs> so right, how, do we, how do we lose control? Jeff, are you in? No, you're not. That's not Detroit behind you. You're in Palm Springs. <laughs> no, no, I'd be ducking bullets. Uh, no, this is not Detroit. Uh, this is La Quinta, California, where Marvin's Magic Theater is at. If yeah, you we were, were you'd here. know if you were there. We were coming there, you know, to Palm Springs, the tour before everything. Yes, that's correct. You were just in the couple, I think next week, I think, April 2nd, I thought, or something like that. Now what do we got going there? What is, what? Is that a half mask? I, what that's the like hell? Phantom. Because Phantom is supposed to come up his face. That's the reverse <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. What the hell? I don't know. <laughs> One of the fun things about doing this on webcam is that a lot of people have their laptop on their desk. So we find out very quickly what weird shit everybody has on their desk. <laughs> Circus nineteen oh three elephant. Ready to go down. <clears throat> and everybody who's on this right now has been in the uh, illusionist in one version or another. Yeah, I know exactly. But I think I'm the only guy that started it on the very first day and ended it like you know seven years later on, on in the same theater in the same day, New Year's oh, yeah. Eve. Really, oh, Sydney cool. Opera House. Oh my gosh. Jeff, yep. did you do seven years straight? Yep. Unbelievable. As straight as he could. Yo, of course. <laughs> you know what I'm talking it's about. Relative. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, it was funny. You know, it's, hey, come on. You know, you've seen it. Hey, it's. I think the illusionist has probably done more for positive and magic than just about anything. You know, obviously, other than maybe. Uh, you know, some television specials, but I mean, you know, when you see magic live, I mean, there's nothing better when it's well done. And so I yeah. think it's, 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 you know, ushered in the golden age of magic. When you started, did you have any idea it would be still going seven, eight years? Did you have uh, anything that this no. is really good? This is going to no. be a worldwide phenomenon? And nah, not at all. Because you don't know, you know, everyone, well, you know, the, when we, when we were first there, you know, trying to, trying to, uh, uh, do ensemble pieces uh, wasn't really all that easy because all of a sudden they'd say, "Hey, we got an idea. Why don't all of you guys do cups and balls?" The director said, "Okay, look at uh, you. Go ahead and do the routine, and uh, I'm going to go take a cigarette break." And he leaves us. You don't you don't leave seven magicians to yeah. to make up a cups and balls routine. You just don't do that. <laughs> so, but he tried, and and so we we, we gave it a shot. But uh, you know, overall, yeah, it's a great. But nobody nobody knew that 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 uh, show was going to go the way it was. Well, the only reason that I uh, was invited to join was because of those guys up in the corner right there, Mark and Ginger. That's right. We, we, we worked together. In, no, 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 no. We worked together in Athens. Yes, and you yeah. said you told you told me about uh, Simon, and you introduced me to Simon at Magic Live. You know, here's how it went. The 
Illusionist was going gangbusters. It's just astounding. And they decided that they needed second companies and that they could have more than one touring. And they, they were able to fill all the spots. But it's like, what are we going to do about the Hobson spot? And I said, there's, I only, think there's only one person out there that's going to be able to get in his own way, fill that. And, uh, and, and yes, it was Harrison he, Greenbaum. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Actually, and he was 14 you know, at the Dave, time. Dave so. was exactly. number two. Dave was the, the second trickster ever. That's true. And well, yeah. But I've made a pretty good career out of being the poor man's Hobson. <laughs> <laughs> I have. And I'm thankful like to be in his shadow. I followed him on cruise ships. I followed him to the illusions. People go, we can't get Hobson. Yeah. Are you available? <laughs> I've made a living for the past 12 years. So, we just after we closed our big show, Carnival of Wonders and all that stuff, we went the opposite way. We had this huge theater, a vanishing jumbo jet. We got this little place called Magic Underground, you know, 160 seats, 90 seats. We uh, put it together. We're really proud of this place, put this whole show on. And afterwards, we'd meet people and they'd say, where's that? Comedian Hobson guy. It's like perfect. By the way, one thing I, I, I should mention, and I, I, I have a great picture to show, so I, I, I can't not mention it. But David, when you were in 1903, they put a big old mustache on you. Yeah. And I know Mark I you know had I a mustache on you. Uh, I think Mark also had a mustache in 1903. Yeah. We should have two different 1903s, though. Yeah, we stole ours from Mark. I don't know if I've ever seen Williamson with a mustache, but I do have a photo of Mark with a not stage mustache, a very real and very uh, intentional choice. Let's see it. That photo. Oh. Oh. <laughs> My Netflix buddy, Jonathan Pendragon. Yes. Exactly. What, what are you guys actually doing there, by the way? Yeah, what you is know, happening? You mean physically doing? What kind of game is that with the dog collar? <laughs> I thought they were doing a live-action reboot of Double Dragon. <laughs> that is uh, early Spellbound days. They kept popping those top buttons, so like the top five buttons. They just keep weak, so you need a better seamstress, you guys. <laughs> yeah, what a weird version of Romeo and Juliet with two male leads. Yeah, weird. Oh Bring it on, God. guys. Keep it coming. <laughs> How long did you have uh, the real mustache, Mark? Well, you know, it's funny you should say that because I, uh, I started my career in the pool act with a fake mustache. Then he went in into fact, porn. Yes. It requires. <laughs> and uh, then I tried to grow one in my Vegas days, and it was mostly penciled in. I cannot grow body hair I, at all. So uh, Not true. <laughs> <laughs> we work in peace together. We share the dressing room. Where David and Mark, did your mustache ever fall off during those shows? Yes, yes it yes. did. Yes. What is the what's the recovery? Uh, there is no recovery. <laughs> when you're a comedy People magician, cry. They go, what the? But you know, I turned into a gag. Dana Daniels told me the same thing. When, when, yeah. In 1903, he had to wear one, but it was all through Australia. I didn't know how to put one on. I didn't have a high quality one. Finally, when I got to LA, there was a nice uh, makeup lady with a TV station, and she showed me the proper way to do the mastic and they. And it never fell off for years after that. But that first uh, three months in Australia was falling off almost every show. 
and it turned you know, into a gag. Right. I said, I'm looking forward to show it. Where Rick Thomas started to fall off as he was doing the watch bit in the parlor section of the show, <laughs> and he just he just busted up. It was I mean, it was right out of. So when we were photographing for Illusionist 1903 before the show had been created, they brought all the magicians to a studio. Uh, Rick is going to hate me for telling this. <laughs> and they kept trying different mustaches on him, but they were too small because Rick's a big guy and it didn't look right on him. So one of the makeup people had a merkin. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> Children, and don't they, Google that. Don't they, Google it. Please don't. They trimmed don't Google it. the merkin. <laughs> now they're all mustache. And if you look up the 1903 poster with Rick, that's a murder. <laughs> wow. Somebody's coming to and that Jeff's is in the house. <laughs> Who's in the house? <laughs> that is a, oh. Somebody said everyone had a mustache mouth. TJ. Mustache. Oh, TJ oh. said everyone had a mustache mouth. Yeah. And Ginger, you, so you started off uh, in doing the act, and now you have been doing the directing role. I know also, Mark, you've been a creative director. Can you talk about uh, the evolution of that? And and David, you want to chime in too about what it's like to have Ginger as a director? You lose that. Before she starts, let me just say this: a uh, couple things. First, yeah. Well, first, the, first of all, what do you say? Just be nice. First of all, she's amazing. She's I got amazing. control. I can take. Them, I I put them in this stream. I can take them out. No, here's the thing: when I first did a show with them on stage in Athens, we did this big stage show with. Michael Godot and Raymond Crow and all these people. And we had to do these bows. We had to do some ensemble things. I go, I'm just going to walk on and do this and then that. And Ginger goes, you're not going to do that with me on the stage. Welcome goes, to my world. Yeah. She goes, I'm not sharing a stage with some goofball who thinks he's going to walk around looking for a spot like Grandpa looking for his keys. You are, And we had to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. But it really changed my life. And same with the illusionists. But on the other side of that, both Mark and Ginger, but especially Ginger, have made me uh, watchable on stage. Oh, so nice. I'm not watchable, Grandpa. Please. No, they, so okay. many great notes. Stop as, and as Jeff, as, as and would say, all the things that things don't come naturally to a close-up guy, all the stagecraft. Uh, and I tell anybody this, I credit uh, Mark and especially Ginger over the years, giving me so much uh, coaching and, and so much uh, way, way being too, a director. Way it's too true. much credit. Way too much credit. That's for sure. True. Oh, no. When I was even a Catholic fan, I, I definitely uh, relied on you guys because <laughs> there were times where they would make suggestions and I would look at you guys and be like, what do you guys think? <laughs> and you always have to do magically. There was one time, I don't know if I'm even allowed to share this story, but I will. Uh, which is that we, we cut the, there was a lot of, obviously Kazakhstan's a hard place to mount a multi-hundred-thousand-dollar show. There's a lot of technical issues. So we cut the, um, the initial appearance of the whole cast. But we were coming from an upstage that was very, very dark. So at one point, one of the directors came in and said, oh, it's so dark. If you just run really fast towards the front, it will <laughs> appear. So just run really fast and then go, Ta-da! And I remember just I just looked over to Mark and Ginger and I was like, I'm pretty sure they're gonna handle this. Oh, I remember that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. By the way, I did uh, it up fine. I did use that as an opportunity to find a photo. Um so there is there is the uh 
Oh. Oh. Yep. You yep. see how bushy that thing is. That's a <laughs> oh man, I gotta leave for a bit. <laughs> God, so, I'll be ahead. back. Um, so. Whose dog, dog is that? Jeff's. No, not even mine. It's the neighbors. Ginger, <laughs> can you speak a little bit about your your stepping into the directing shoes and what that kind of transition was like and. Uh, is that something that you're going to be doing a lot more of? Uh, I, I hope so. I, I hope I do a little bit of both. You know, I'm I'm not quite ready to be entirely off the stage yet. In fact, I was kind of looking forward to this year because um, a little known fact, uh, most people in magic do not know. Only the people that I've worked with over the last year know. But I had some major, I had a major spine surgery um, about eight months ago. And... Um, so I had electively taken myself out of performing um, and started to push myself more into the other, you know, you know, exclusive direction of directing. And um, I was kind of like looking forward to getting back on stage. Well, I guess not. <laughs> but uh, I like I love being involved. They both feed, um, you know, sides of me. I started directing um, shows. I guess maybe. I mean, on my own. I guess. I was very influenced by Joni Spina, obviously, for a number of years. And then we had a fantastic choreographer also from, named Peggy Hickey, Tony Award winning choreographer. Um, she took over for Joni after Joni um, left or got sick. And, um, and I've learned, I learned a lot from both of them. And um, so being a producer of our own show for many years, you know, I could never take the director role, but I absorbed a lot. And then someone came to me and asked me to direct their shows. In fact, it was Brad Ross um, in 2014 and asked me to, I think it was a recommendation from Jim Steinmeier. And it was the first time I had to take a show from script to stage. And that was like, what? I was scared to death, scared to death. And um, I managed to successfully do it and then build upon it, you know, every year. And then I just sort of paid more attention to the directing. And so when Illusionist came around, you know, we joined the Illusionist back in 2012, kind of early on. And every year, you know, we, we, we've been working with the Illusionist for, I don't know, eight Since years. Yes, yeah, eight, not, yeah, whatever. And just every single time it would go, you know, they they kind of like wrote me into a different aspect <laughs> of the production. And so I think it was just sort of a natural progression. So I was actually really thrilled when um, Neil said, hey, do you wanna, you know, do this? You know, for and the first the first one I actually held the 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 title for was the illusionist experience that was here in Reno. And it was convenient because I was having this surgery and it was like the best, easiest cast I could have asked for. Um, it was, the, and basically it was the same cast that I just left on, um, w that we were just doing the U.S. tour together with. It was uh, Hong Joon Kim, Chris Cox, Dave Williamson, of course, um, uh, Valentin Zima, and- um, Jonathan Goodwin. Crendel was in there too at some point, right? Crendel, Crendel, yeah. Oh, Crendel was in the Reno show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the only the only swap was Crendel and Goodwin. Yeah. It was really fun. So it's 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 actually 
I dare I say it's easy. It's an easy, <laughs> it's an easy job for me. Well, you it make it look easy. What you're doing is incredible, both of you guys. Uh, the first time I met Mark and Ginger, real quick, it was in uh, Atlantic City in whenever it was, 1990, whatever. And you were on the stage with uh, Finney. Oh, yes. That was the Castle oh, Magic. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he invited me to come see the show. So I came out and he did his set. And he comes out and sits at the table with me. And it was a matinee. And it was all a bunch of old ladies. It was a blue hair matinee, right? A bunch of old ladies. And... Uh, Finney goes, Mark's going to probably introduce you from the stage. He likes to do that, but you no know, guests. And I go, why? I'm not a, I do close-up magic. It was before I did, you know, I was like, nobody. And I go, why does he do that? Because he's very nice that he does that, you know. So Mark starts making this speech, like, ladies and gentlemen, every once in a while we have special guests and professional magicians. Da, da, da. There was this bunch of old ladies who are going, what's he talking about? So I hide under the table with Finney, uh, sit there at the cocktail table. I get under the tablecloth. And he goes, David Williams said everybody, and the spotlight swings over, and there's Michael Finney, who they had just seen on stage, kind of going like this. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> was in the room. He's just there. Wait, I saw him. He was just there. <laughs> but anyway, you were really nice. You were mad at me for doing that, but um, that wasn't bad. Do you have any good monkey stories working with a monkey? None that I can speak to. In oh, the <laughs> I know a bunch of them. Yes, that you've told me over the years. Do you remember at Abbott's when I uh, I messed with the soiree slightly? We were was doing. It, weren't you doing the final space? night? You were Saturday night, and uh, as in some of the illusionists, we had the right before the second half. When the second half begins, right after intermission, there's the soiree sequence where there's the living room, and it's beautiful. And every magician does something visual, and we built the set out of whatever whatever couches were lying around in the Colin <laughs> High School gymnasium. And we had uh, some of the stagehands acting as waiters and pouring champagne glasses. And yeah. it was very refined. And obviously, you guys were very classy. And I had run out to the 7-Eleven and hidden Budweiser 40s throughout <laughs> the couch and set. And so while you were performing, while everybody else was performing, I was chugging 40s <laughs> all throughout the production. And I, I don't even think I knew that until just now. <laughs> I commit to a bit. That's why people kept laughing at weird moments. Um, <laughs> I commit to a bit and I drank at least two of them very quickly and I'm not a big drinker. So by the end of that sequence, I was, I think you, you had asked me. That's why you were such a hit. Yeah. Well, I did my set first and then I, and then I did the, then I did the 14th. And De I don't know if Jeff was slapping me or the bug on the last. No, no, it was, we have, we have, this, we have these COVID-19 flies here that are like zombies and they're walking around. Here. Move yeah, me to like a different quadrant. Size my fist and you, yeah. <laughs> Now, when you guys were in Colin, did you yeah. share a farmhouse in Colon? Did you guys share a farmhouse? Is that what you said? No, we had the doctor's house on the left. Uh, we had doctor. like a mansion. It was awesome. Well, the dead well, a mansion from 1976. With yeah. mauve carpeting. You weren't there when those guys got the wrong house, right? Beautiful bedroom, and I was literally in the, the... The guy had been very sick, and so I was in the nurse's quarters. <laughs> I was the adjunct bedroom they added afterwards. Nice. Oh, yeah, wait, no Tinder and Colin either. Well, Colin's yeah. probably not happening this year. I'm guessing. Oh. I, they haven't can't. They have not canceled it yet. Yeah. Uh, they did. They canceled the close-up convention this month, but August is still not has been decided yet. What about autism and uh, IBM and all that. Pittsburgh. It's, it's, <clears throat> yeah, it remains well, to be seen. It'll be, it'll be here online. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is a, that's actually a good uh, segue because this is presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. Uh, they have IBM Jam Live. There's one actually happening 9 p.m. Eastern uh, EBT, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, that uh, happens after the conclusion of this. Um, and if you're not a member of the International Brotherhood of Magicians, uh, please make sure you join and support this organization. They're the reason that we're able to do this. Uh, somebody is mentioning that this is the most bizarre Brady Bunch intro I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, somebody said, nobody oh. told Colin what's happening yet, which is probably true. They are a little bit behind. So oh, it's probably in uh, 2030. Hi, Michael. Hi, Mike. Michael Mode. Yeah, oh, great, great man, Michael Mode. He gave me the best uh, card ever. But if it's okay, I, I guess if David and Jeff, you want to share one more story, uh, and then uh, we'll we'll go we'll do Caitlin and Ginger, and then we'll bring you guys back for the finale. Okay. Uh, so you want a story for me, quickly? Yes, a story okay. about Caitlin and Ginger. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Uh, oh, about Caitlin and Ginger. Uh, uh, got, oh, there's there's too many of them. There's too many of them. Uh, it's, no, there's, there's believe me, it goes it goes on and on. Uh, uh, how many? Oh, uh, the tiger backstage. Remember the Tiger King? If you did see it, and I just saw it the other night. Uh, the, you know the whole thing where they they guard whatever piece of meat you got. And you can't you, you can't take it away from them. It's Thanksgiving. Joni Spina had a, a big Thanksgiving thing. Brought the turkey over. Said oh, and Bob said, who is an animal care uh, caregiver, uh, said, "Oh yeah, let's just caregiver. give the carcass. Let's give let's give the carcass to Sonia." <laughs> there it is, and and so we did, and the, and, the, and of course the the, the, the you know oh, don't go near it. Well, they thought she was going to eat it within a couple minutes. Two hours go by, still hasn't, and now we got to do a damn show. You know, and now this damn tiger's got this. Oh no, you ain't moving. I ain't moving. And uh, and so we had to trick the tiger to get it to let go of the carcass so we could do a damn show. So there you go. That's that's Jeff. But quickly, Jeff, could you tell the best, the most anybody ever got me on a practical joke was the one with George who came to see the show. Don't you, you know, remember that? You do this to me, and I still can't remember the story. And you tell I. I don't. I, you know the story, and I do remember when you tell me. But for some reason, it escapes me. You're talking about the one where they pretended you were. Yeah, yeah. He said he had. There was a guy that came and saw Carnival of Wonders over and over and over and over, and he said, you know, I was thinking maybe we should like a hundred plus times. Yeah, hundred times. We should invite him to the top of the Hilton and have a drink with him. And I, but I think he had only been seeing the show a few times at this time. But he, oh, there's that guy again. So Jeff says, why don't you come up and have? Sure, we'll do that. Uh, we go up there, and it's me and Ginger and Jeff and George and a couple of people, <laughs> including Bob. And, you know, they said, oh, you, to, to Ginger, you are amazing. Oh, my God, it was great. And, uh, and oh, uh, Bob, the way you handle those animals is great. And I'm, I'm waiting to hear, you know. Mike Moe was even there. Mike Moe was Igor. Yeah. And everybody got complimented, and I, and I, and I you know, typical – performer i said you know and uh, you know that thing with the black panther that i did and he looks at me and goes uh were you in the show yeah and i didn't know jeff had set this up and i'm like uh, i might say yeah you know the magician out there with the you know and he goes no 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 this went on for like 30 minutes and i keep trying to you know, reintroduce myself into the conversation. So this guy can figure out who the frick I was. I was up there the whole freaking time. You were oh, steaming. Was, you were steaming. Was, oh, 
you took it hook, line, and sinker. That's uh, hilarious. I can just see it. Yeah. Okay. Nailed it. Oh, that's amazing. And while we have Jeff on, uh, we can plug, you're doing your own live stream, HobsonsChoiceMagic.com. Yeah, yeah, uh, please go on to there. There's a little link that says uh, sign up. uh, And once you sign up, you'll be able to get the email that tells you uh, when it's going to be. It's going to be actually, I think, April 1st, uh, coming up just two days. So uh, take a look at it and do it. Yeah. And uh, David, do you have a story that you'd like to share? I don't have a story, but I will just say that uh, when I lived in Reno for six months, these guys saved my life. Thank God they were there. We became good friends. I learned more about them than I really want to know. Uh, <laughs> but we uh, spent a lot of time out by the fire, though. We did. We had fire. so much fun and uh, so many great uh, lunches and chats, and lots and lots and lots of laughs. Because a lot of people don't realize that uh, Mark is a very twisted uh, individual. Am I right, Jeff? Man, the twisted is gets nobody twisted. more twisted. Really? Yeah. Really? Yep, like but a, like a freaking corkscrew, uh, man, like a corkscrew. Thanks for inviting me. Bye, guys. I love you guys. I miss uh, you. Uh, stick around in the, in, the, uh, in the green room because we'll bring you back in. And if you want to follow David, it's Williamson Magic. That's his Twitter, at Williamson Magic. I don't do anything. I will tell you, uh, I, uh, Bill Kalush is going to be uh, starting up his university again, and I think I'll be on there teaching some magic, and we're going to do ah. some free stuff too, I think. Oh, so, amazing. Check out, check out Conjuring Arts. Org. Well, thank you guys for being our surprise guest. We'll bring you in uh, Thanks, towards guys. the end. There we go. Uh, and by the way, for your uh, oh, there's <laughs> did we lose? There's my very real and not imaginary girlfriend using the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> this they didn't get to see her because we were in close up. Um, but okay. your your social media, uh, Twitter, we have Ginger La Snaps, and Instagram <laughs> at Ginger Lee L E I G H. And uh, if anybody needs to connect, I, uh, fax is the best for me. <laughs> fax, yes. We'll put your fax number up at the end of the broadcast. Okay. I got to change the role. <laughs> uh, and as we wrap up, if there are any questions uh, for the people who are watching live right now uh, via IBM's Facebook or on the YouTube page, um, put those in the comments. Sorry? They've all fallen asleep. No. Oh, no. This has been – actually, the number of viewers keeps increasing. I think people are, are having a blast. Uh, somebody said, thank you all. Uh, Marty said, thank you. Oh, it was great listening to your stories. Amazing entertainers. Aww. Uh, we have, uh, Michael said, something strange happening in your pants. That was the reference I think we got to. Uh, yeah, there's not time for that one. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, towards the end of uh, the last interview, we asked uh, very similar questions. These are questions about magic and how you feel about magic. Um, what... Uh, if there's one thing that you could change about magic to make it better, what would you what would you do? If there's one thing to change about magic, yeah. Oh gosh. Oh. Hmm. Let me jump in with something. Yeah, you jump in because I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind is just originality. And uh, uh, has less to do with about copying or doing disservice to somebody and more the disservice you do to yourself. When you just look at something and copy it, uh, it's not great for you. It's not great for the audience. It's certainly not great for magic, which I think we need to be really respectful for. 
but it, it cuts out the most rewarding part of the process. And I'm a big person about process and about how, uh, in fact, I prefer the process over the end result. I'm not by nature um, a natural performer. And so I really get into the process and the invention and the experimentation and all of that. And I take so much joy with that. And it's so exciting to, you know, the, the aspect, it, it starts, it starts here for me, a, a process of originality, and it's an easy tool. And I just say, not that, but this. I may see something I really like. Go, oh, man, that's brilliant. I would really like to do that. And I just, then I stop myself and I say, anything but that. But let's try this. And it can be inspired by, it can be, it's just that. And, and I, it, I find that not only will it be more rewarding, but you'll grow as a performer. And so that's the, the one thing I wish more magicians could enjoy that process and would push themselves a little harder. Yeah, and along those lines, I think that would be the only thing. I mean, recently I'm pretty proud of, I mean, I've, I've gone back and forth. Sometimes I've thought magic, you know, I've been in magic for 28 years. And when I started, you know, magic had to win me over because what my opinion of magic as a as an art form was pretty hokey, you know, to be honest with you. I, I really thought all I had really seen up until I'd seen Mark was, you know, some birthday party magicians, you know, little things here and there, some, you know, some card tricks and stuff and just nothing that elevated the art form, um, nothing that was truly entertain ent entertaining or nothing that was challenging. But when I saw Mark and when I first started becoming involved with magic, I, I put it at this standard, like I have to be really good because I don't want to mess this up. You know, this is, this is, this is, this is so special. This is so important. So I guess if there's anything that I would want to um, preserve about magic is that, you know, when you regard it at a very high level. So you strive for a certain level of um, quality to the magic that is presented because um, I've discovered by watching, you know, being on the other side of things, obviously my, you know, my short stint as a director, you know, I've seen a lot of magic and sometimes it's not really magic. They call it magic, but there's a, it's either magic or it's not, you know, and it's a really easy way for it not to be magic. It's either magic or sad juggling. Yeah, it's just not. So I think I would like to eliminate, I'm not saying that we can't all learn from, you know, mistakes, but I, I and I'm proud in this day and age that there are so many people doing such great magic out there um, that I think we're at a, at a, you know, a high point in, in the art form. So I just want to keep it there, you know, and just keep reminding, you know, everybody, including ourselves to regard it as a very high art form. You know, also I have to say, I mean, Ginger through her whole career in magic has been revered and respected. She's probably the only person, one of the few people in magic, if you said Mark, people wouldn't know who you're talking about. Mark who? Mark Wilson, Mark, but all you have to do is say Ginger, one name everybody knows. Her originality came from the fact that she had no reference points. She came to magic, not, and we were on an island in Guam. 
So there was no reference points. There was no, at that time, YouTube videos. And so she had to interpret magic in that void. And I think that, you know, that's a great learning tool. If you can push those things aside, what choices do you make without all of these other things coming in? Interesting. That's awesome. That's fantastic advice. Uh, and we had a question from somebody. Uh, I believe it's Ali Rayo said, what's the best way to find a magical assistant? But I would broaden that out and say, if there's a young magician watching who wants to do what you guys do and have these illusions and this giant stage show, how do you how do you get there? Because it, it's not as easy as just buying a deck of cards. So do you have any advice to a young magician who wants to become an illusionist? Um, gosh. Yeah, you just do it. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it really is true. I mean, uh, there's, there's no, no excuse to well. What's that? And that's also how they make sneakers. That's Nike's logo. Yes, exactly. You know what? You just do it. You, um, large scale magic doesn't have to be hugely expensive props. I mean, we think of an illusionist as being the equipment, but that they're just tools and tools can be cardboard boxes and anything that has scale or size to it, which can be a, a rope that stretches across the stage. Um, I, I really think that is just a process of just starting. And if it's something that comes, you, you enjoy and you have a passion for it, it will just grow. And if you start with one illusion or one trick or one thing that has scale, that's not this big, but this big, and it doesn't require money, you can do it without money, um, and then and then it'll grow from there. Yeah, and I guess my last question would be, was there any question I did not ask that you wish I did? No. Okay, oh, well, all right, that's a win-win for me. <laughs> Somebody actually asked the question following up to what you just said, which is, what's the best approach to have a residency? Central Place open to the public to buy ticks a few times a month, et cetera. Well, the, the business has changed quite substantially from where, you know, I mean, the most important thing is to perform, just do shows. I get people that ask me, you know, well, how much should I charge for my illusion show? And I said, well, you're starting out. You should do it for free anywhere you can do it. It's that experience. Believe me, if you put your, if you put your focus into the passion of the work and of making good magic and it, those other things will come. They will be like like magic. They will just come. I started, as a lot of people did, with a theme park show, The Illusions of Mark Kalin at Knott's Berry Farm, 1981, I think. And that was four shows. I was shows. five years old. Yes. I was, <laughs> and I was 21 at that time. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was four shows a day, five days a week for what started as a summer and went longer, it was that amount of shows that, that got me to the next level, which was that somebody flew from Vegas to take a look at this kid at Knott's Berry Farm. And then before I knew it, I was, you know, at that point, Las Vegas was the big dream. But, I, but just like to say, I think you can create a theater anywhere. Um, I saw something a few years ago. I mean, this, I hope this applies, but I was walking into Rayleigh's market here in Reno and there were two kids standing at the door to Rayleigh's and they were stopping people as they were going in saying, Hey, you want to see a trick? Some people were like, no, other people were like, sure. 
that was an audience for them all day, every day. And I, I, I thought that's a fantastic thing. Just go out and do it. And the others, the other stuff will come. But I think as far as the um, the, the direct- You were very nice, by the way, while I was doing that supermarket gig. You could not have- <laughs> uh, Who's booking that? Who's booking yeah, that? Who was that? <laughs> um, I got a free avocado far- at the end of every shift. <laughs> what? I got a free avocado at the end of every shift. <laughs> That's funny. Um, you know, I just think that's that, funny. I just think that is good joke. Yeah, that is funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people, they, they ask, you know, how do I get the chance to perform? How do I get a residency or whatever? And sometimes I think it's, it's the motivations have to be flipped a little bit because I know a lot of performers who love performing, but it's not about them. It's about how much does your audience enjoy the time? You know, so I think it has to start there. You know, you, you you have to think how good of an experience can you create to make people want to be with you for an hour plus or whatever. That's the that's the that's the gauge. That's the barometer. You know, that's your that's your you know your gauge to test it at. Not not how do I get to you know, perform, how do I get to have a residency? It's not about- What do you have to offer? Yeah, it, 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 it's not about the fact, yes, we all love to perform, but why do we love to perform? Is the motivating factor I think is different. Some people just love to show off. They don't necessarily like to share, you know, and there's a di- it's a different thing. I can remember uh, just a couple days before we were launching Carnival of Wonders on its first show. And we were in rehearsal. I was, Joni was standing next to me. And, you know, we had a background in magic and illusion and cats and everything. We'd had that in the show. And then we had partnered up with Jeff Hobson, who had this amazing, you know, humor in all those years. And we had scenic designs, beautiful stuff. We'd invested money. Jim Steinmeier was, we had all this stuff. And I remember Joni and I were watching a rehearsal sitting there and I go, I hope this show's worth $29 ticket or a $21 ticket. I hope it's good. Uh, yeah. And I hope I, you know, I wasn't confident that we could hold their attention for an hour and 16 minutes with all of that. And it did, but, but it was, it, it was still about, I hope it's enough and I hope it's, it's worthwhile. And I hope people are, you know, yeah. challenged by it and entertained. Yeah. Yeah, my guru, who I turn to for advice, um, I don't know if you know her, but her name is Taylor Swift. And she said in an interview <laughs> that when she walks on stage, the difference between a good performer and a bad performer is the bad performer walks on stage and says, you're welcome. And the good performer looks at the crowd and says, thank you. Yes, exactly. Well, and there's also the very famous, I mean, often used quote, what's the difference between a amateur and a professional magician? About $10 a week. No, 2,000 shows. 2,000 shows. Ruined it. Can't end on that. My timing sucks. No, it was great. Michael Douglas, by the way, said, uh, it gave me advice on my supermarket gig, which was don't fight with the Girl Scouts since that's their territory. Yes, exactly. And, uh, uh, one final question, if we can make it short, is uh, an anonymous person asked me to ask you about the Don Wayne story. Which Don which? Wayne story? It, uh, it was ask him about working with Don Wayne. Well, I mean, first of all, I can't make that quick, but I will make it quick. And I, there's a billion Don Wayne stories. Um, but 
gosh, I mean, we lost Don way too early this past year. Uh, it was sudden and it was unexpected. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, he, uh, one of my great joys of the last, say, five or six years was that I was able to pull Don into the illusionist as a consultant. And that put Don and I side by side for many, many projects. And I had known Don for many years and gave us a chance to reconnect. And he was just uh, absolutely brilliant. And, uh, you know, uh, I hear, I remember he used to say things that, that were just so simple and basic and very much like, you would say, very much like a hick because he came across that way. But I remember he said to me, we were driving and he said, uh, he goes, you know, the road to good, strong magic is good, strong magic. <laughs> Freaking brilliant. Yeah. How do you become a, how, how, how are you a good comedian? Be funny. Exactly. You know? So anyway, I have a million funny little Don Wayne stories, but, uh, but he was just a, a treasure and a brilliant man. And unfortunately we lost him this past year. Oh man. Well, I, that, that's a very nice tribute though to a wonderful person. And thank you guys so, so much for doing thank this. You. Um, all the people are, are, are thanking you and sending you applause emojis and uh, uh, recounting wonderful times where they worked with you or uh, got to see you perform. Oh, I can't uh, work to wake, work with everybody again. I know, same here. <laughs> I know, <laughs> do you remember when crowds were a thing? Yeah, do you remember that? Way back. Way back. I'd also like to thank our special guest. Um, we had uh, Jeff Hobson coming in from Palm Springs. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to work work with anyone. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Polishing the awards. Polishing his balls. Yes. There were a lot of balls in this broadcast. <laughs> there usually are around us. There usually are. Sorry, another another inside joke. Paul DeBeck will get that one. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much again. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, Jeff uh, and David, thank you so much for being our special guest. Any parting thoughts? I love Cox. <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough said. I can't well, talk about it. You know, Thanks, I, the name of a performer, I promise. Uh, Jeff uh, is standing up. Uh, the camera cropping on that was a... Uh, Two for two with <laughs> By the way, he's there's a, he's a pleaser. Paul, who says, I take offense to all of this. Uh. <laughs> yeah, he does. You haven't met him yet. Yeah, I know him. Good man. Hi, Eugene. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much again. Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, David, thank you so much. Obviously, uh, Mark and Ginger, thank you so much. And uh, I, I know everybody who meets you loves you just as much. Um, thank you so much again, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks very much. See y'all. And that was Kaylin and Ginger, Mark Kaylin and Ginger Lee Kaylin, uh, two of the greatest illusionists uh, I've ever had the pleasure of seeing uh, or performing with. Uh, Matt King getting the, the final word in there, uh, which is COX, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Um, thank you guys so much for watching. Our next episode is Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. That is with Shin Lim, the winner of America's Got Talent and uh, America's Got Talent Championship Edition. He's going to be tuning in. Thank you so much. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, it's at Harrison Comedy. That's my Twitter and my Instagram, at Harrison Comedy. 
We are broadcasting every Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. I'm doing a live stream magic show Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is 5 p.m. if you're on the West Coast, which is a live interactive virtual magic show. Go to magicscam.com or please don't visit this website.com to check that out. Uh, once more, thanks again to Kaylin and Ginger and to our special guests, uh, David Williamson and to Jeff Hobson. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you here real soon. That's been the episode two of Who Books That?